Hey all, it's Juad with Hit the Apex Podcast. How are we doing this week? Good to be back. Um, was really excited last week when we did the first one for the year and just that excitement and energy and the buzz back into it. And same thing this week too, you know, it's when you feel fresh, you really enjoy doing this. But, you know, I'm sure by the time we get to the end of the year, it'll feel like... Um, I feel like, oh, you know, I need a break again, I need a break, but you know, everything in moderation is great, but um, while there's so many exciting things to talk about at the moment, um, I can't really contain myself, so we'll get straight into it anyway, Um, where's summer gone? I mean, seriously, it's like we are recording a podcast in the middle of winter when we're in the the depth or, or we're in the depths of a Formula One season, MotoGP season, supercars as well, they're usually escaping the winter and going up to the top end of uh, Australia, but here we are in the middle of February, or wait, it's the end of February now, great, (laughs) in the end of February and it feels like we're in May or June or something, so need a few good days yet before we wave goodbye to summer and... Um, have a few more outings at the beach, I think that would be, that'd be pretty good, went for a swim on Sunday actually, it was pretty warm throughout most of the day, but then in the evening when I do usually go out to the beach, it just cooled down rapidly, and I guess the water was okay, once you get in there, you sort of climatise to it, but yeah, it's, it wasn't ideal, it was, it took a while to, to want to go in all the way, but um, in the end, you always have good fun out in the water, so yeah, that was that was that. You know, there was also the V8 Supercars on the weekend, Supercars Championship, the first round in Adelaide, um, which I'm going to be doing the talking points for you straight off the bat. Really excited to have Supercars back, and it was a good weekend too. Um, a lot of talking points heading into the weekend, of course, with the departure of Holden and what have you. But I think at the end of the day, we saw some good racing on track. As much as, you know, maybe the spectators, the crowd numbers didn't show it over the weekend, um, there was a drop of 60,000 compared to, to last year for the whole weekend, which has prompted um, a lot of debate and discussion about, you know, the future of the Adelaide 500. I personally don't think anything's going to happen. Perhaps they might cut the events to th- the event to a three-day one instead of the four days that they have at the moment. But there's quite there's probably quite a few factors as to why um, less people went this year. You know, and I'm not one to to deliberate and to think about that. But you know, you've got to take everything into account as well. I mean, we've had obviously probably the first thing that springs to mind. It's been a very harsh summer as far as you know the impact of the bushfires have had, a lot of people have been donating money, um, there could be people who usually travel to the Adelaide 500 that have not been able to because of various reasons and one of them could be, you know, due to the bushfire devastation, I mean, Kangaroo Island, of course, which is a beautiful part of South Australia, of course, didn't get to go there last year, um, you know, there could be people there who, who wanted to go all over the country, so... Yeah, there could be a variety of reasons why we've had a drop in spectators for, for this year. So I wouldn't be too concerned, um, but I know there are some parties that are also on this week's podcast. We'll go back and talk about the first week of testing, or not really a week, it's three days. The first three days of testing, they are obviously started the second test 
um, yesterday, so today will be day two later on, they'll hit the track, not going to really talk about what happened in the second test, it's more about the first, and then next week we'll do the the second test as well, and do a pre-season debrief of sorts, but yeah, you know, without further ado, let's talk about the supercars, and um, straight off the bat, while Holden was the big talking point heading into the weekend, and then even coming out of the weekend, it was Holden again, but not for for those reasons, um, it was because they had a pretty strong weekend to, to start off the year, so we got the news on Saturday, or Friday night actually, that Red Bull Racing, Red Bull Holden Racing Team have confirmed their driver lineup for next year they've retained Jamie Wincup for one more year or he signed on for an, an extra year there was all that conjecture about whether he'd be retiring or not um, but he has decided to go around one last time in 2021 before you assume that after then he would scale back his commitments maybe step into a co-driver shoes beyond that but then You've got Shane Van Gisbergen, who's been confirmed on a multi-year deal with that organisation. And I guess a key thing also to think about is what does um, what's in store for that organisation beyond the end of this year. So obviously, they're the factory Holden racing team at the moment. Um, Roland Dane, the team principal, or the team boss, has gone over to meet with GM over the weekend to discuss what the future might hold with them. Uh, you'd think that next year that they would run Commodores because they're allowed to uh, without any Holden branding. One team that we know that won't do that is Walkinshaw. So Walkinshaw have come out and said that they won't be racing the Commodore in 2021, which will mean that they're going to be racing a new car, you know. So whether that's with a new manufacturer or are they going to fast-track some of the Gen 3 components to allow the Camaro to make a debut in 2021, we'll have to wait and see, but that's a, that's a pretty big piece there to hear that Walkinshaw, the former Holden Racing team, of course, will be stepping away from the Commodore nameplate altogether for 2021. So that's all the off-track stuff. On track, we had Jamie Wincup in vintage form on Saturday for race one, so gets a new contract under his belt and pretty much comes out and dominates. He got pole position after he actually was eighth quickest to make it into the top 10 shootout, but then in the shootout, he went straight to the top and stayed there until the end of the session, so... He started on pole position from David Reynolds, got the better start, he got a whole shot, uh, and basically didn't look back, so he pretty much spent the entire race in the lead, and then behind him is where you had a bit of stuff going on for the minor podium places, so we had Scott McLaughlin, of course, the reigning champion, Shane Van Gisbergen, um, utilising some cheeky strategy options to get themselves on the podium, so McLaughlin did a uh, long fill in the first stop and then ended up short filling in the second stop which put him ahead of a bunch of whole car sorry put him ahead of a bunch of cars and van gisbergen as well on kind of a similar strategy got himself ahead so that was unfortunate for the likes of reynolds and even Chaz mostard who from the outset was quite quick all weekend we saw him in the test at tail and bend last week he was seventh fastest i think and we thought oh yeah you know um He's immediately kind of brought a bit of buoyancy to this team and a bit of form. Um, but we know that typically around Adelaide, 
Walkinshaw, their Commodores have been always quite strong. So perhaps there's a bit of flattery in there, but you could also see that there is a change of dynamic within that team. It seems a bit more positive at the moment with the addition of Mostert and his engineer, Adam DeBore. And that's what we saw on Sunday, him finishing on the podium. So who would have picked that coming into the weekend, I think, or even coming into the year that the first weekend with Chaz Mostert and that team we'd see them on the podium but baby steps yet we've got to wait till we go to a variety of different tracks you know as I said before Walkinshaw usually do rather well on street circuits and particularly Adelaide they've won there in the past but then through the middle part of the season they kind of taper off and whatnot and we don't really see them feature much at the the Grand Prix the Melbourne 400 which is the next round and even in Tasmania which is the round after so it'll be about bringing consistency to all rounds, I think, for for Mostert and for WAU. But I guess this is a positive start. And, you know, when there's a positive mindset, you can only get better from there. So that's that. Um, Race two was very interesting. It was good fun to watch. We had a lot of pit stop errors between the top two teams. So we had a front row lockout between uh, Van Gisbergen and McLaughlin, Van Gisbergen on pole. Um, Will Davison almost had pole, but he just butchered it in the second sector, I think, or no, on the final, on the final corner, final two corners actually. Um, he had the the best sectors, and then just on the second to last corner, massive lockup, and there goes his pole position opportunity. So that's um, that was a big miss for those guys, and I talk about Tickford in a sec but yeah Van Gisbergen and McLaughlin the old foes back on the front row of the grid Uh, McLaughlin got the better start led the first portion of the race then we get into the first round of pit stops and then a bit of a brain fade from his team saw Van Gisbergen uh, take back the lead so what had happened is now this year because Shelby Power Racing won the team's championship last year they get the front um, they get the first a lot of garages the first pit bay and basically the advantage of that is that they can see what's going on behind them so with the red bull guys directly behind the um, penske guys um, you can basically see how their pit stop is going and if they're finished and drop the car then you got it you can you have the advantage of dropping the car first but what happened is that they basically didn't didn't take heed to that and as a result they dropped Van Gisbergen uh, first and he basically got a couple of car lengths on him before McLaughlin actually got released so second phase of the race here Van Gisbergen back in the lead we think that that's game over because the Holdens had the better pace over the weekend and McLaughlin wasn't really looking as if he was catching up or anything like that but then there's a twist in the tail because in the second stop Van Gisbergen gets underfueled. So what happens is that the car drops um, from the jacks. The refueler is still trying to refuel, but the car's been released and he's gone. And from that moment, when we saw on the TV images, it was like, okay, this doesn't seem right. <laughs> I don't think that they've got <laughs> all the fuel in that car. So from there, it was a, a question mark whether he'd get to the end or not. But it wasn't long before they came on the team radio and said, we haven't met our fuel requirement 
because they've got to do, I think, 140 litres per race uh, that's required to be put into the car during the race in the pit stop. So, because that was not done, they had to pit for a third time and basically that took him out of the, the race for the win. It didn't take him out, of course, of the race for the podium, but it wasn't until after that pit stop that there was just... It just started to unravel for for Gizzy because he had a suspension fail, uh, basically he couldn't hang on to the podium and that's it, that was a DNF for him, so no points on the day, or I think he might have scored a couple of points, if you're a classified finisher you do get points to every two last position in supercars, so that was a big hit for Van Gisbergen of course and in this championship because it is so competitive um, any points lost can come back to bite you at the end of the year so yeah that was that was Van Gisbergen's race and as a result we had um, Mostert of course elevated to P2 um, and then Cameron Waters was good all weekend for Tickford and finished third so yeah bit of bit of luck for Van Gisbergen but then again uh, McLaughlin and Shell V Power I think got a um, get out of jail free card too after that pit stop they just in comparison to the Red Bull Holdens did not have the pace at all and could this be a narrative that we look at all year long because they had the upper hand in, in Red Bull so does DGR Team Penske have some work cut out for them and I think again we're going to have to go to a couple more circuits before we can determine that because I guess passing is a bit hard or being in the the dirty air and whatnot and because they've dropped um they've you know reduced so much aero this sorry yawning because they've reduced um so much aero this year it might affect the way a car follows each other as well so we're going to have to see when we get to the next few races of course albert park is going to be high speed corners combination of those and some low speed a lot of space for passing as well we see them usually on the front straight fan out like four cars abreast going into turn one so maybe it's a different story and of course last year we saw the forwards sweep that event four wins out of four races so perhaps we might see the Mustangs do a bit better over there but at the same time it's easy to say that these aero changes have come back in favor of the Holdens as well and then quickly too you know a lot of feedback about the um, switch over to the standard or the standardized shock absorbers or whatever so some drivers like them some drivers hate them obviously it'll be the drivers of the bigger teams that'll hate them because they've had the luxury of using superior springs and shock absorbers whilst you know the smaller teams and the the drivers that are sort of in the midfield to the the back markers they probably got a bit of a benefit knowing that they're on the same shock absorber now as the big teams impressed again with the way Walkinshaw rolled out with Mostert that weekend um Bryce Fullwood his teammate obviously rookie weekend first um full-time race on his own because uh, he did the enduros last year for kelly racing um had a you know obviously inconsistency he's got to be uh ironed out and had a few incidents as well so that's obviously gonna be where he starts to grow and develop um tickford so the tickford cup as the commentators labeled or i think it was mostert himself labeled because he was actually involved with a couple of those drivers um chiefly waters and davison on the first day yeah on um race during race one 
and you know it was almost like he was back at that team um and as you know waters and mostert have had a bit of history of course and last year bathurst they or mostert took out waters last year uh heading into the chase basically throwing away a good opportunity for those guys to get a good result at the mountain um as I said before, Davison on pole almost, but yeah, you know, good to see all four drivers in that team, competitive of course, Lee Holdsworth got up there into the top 10, and uh, Jack LeBrock as well, his first weekend for that team, and a bit of a spring in his step compared to how things were last year with Techno, and um, things weren't looking too great, so he's got a good car under his belt, but they're just going to have to get some good results going, that's a car that is capable of pole positions as Will Davison showed um, can get there if they don't make mistakes and even going for race wins too I think so as far as the championship itself is concerned I still think it'll be between Red Bull and uh, DGR team Penske but at the same time unlike last year there's more room and more opportunity for other teams to get up there and win races to take away key points championship points from those protagonists so Walkinshaw you know they look like a team that could win this year if they keep showing the form that they did in Adelaide Tickford as well I can see them winning some races Erebus as well they were quick straight off the bat I mean David Reynolds was fast and so was Anton at the Taylor Men test but then of course there was just contact between the two teammates in race two at the start so really it's just their inconsistencies that are masking the speed of that car it was someone who commented um on one of my pieces last week that said something about you know the championship window perhaps for Reynolds is closing and you know that's not something you want to hear especially if you've signed a 10-year deal with that team and this is the first year of that deal so Reynolds is going to be hoping for some kind of speed to be more consistent. He's got to be more consistent in his performances too. Same with Anton, I guess. The clash like that can't dent their confidence. And for Anton too, it's a key year because he's off contract at the end of the year. And there's already been a lot of talk and speculation about potentially going over to one of the big teams. Um, it's not going to be Triple Eight now because they've locked in their driver lineup. So Shell V Power Racing, they've got, you know, supposedly both drivers off contract for next year. Potentially Scott McLaughlin's going to go overseas to race in the US with IndyCar and Fabian Coulthard, he's as always seems to be uh, as portrayed in the media driving for his career at uh, DJR Team Penske. So opportunities there for Anton and we'd hope to see more of those performances that we saw last year from him, which uh, got him on the podium a couple of times. It wouldn't be Adelaide without a lot of incidents happening and of course it's the first day back at school so a lot of people um, do make mistakes and whatnot. It wasn't as hot as it was last year, that was the feedback but still you know um, guys like Mostert were saying you know that the pedal box basically you know burnt his feet and everything gets really hot so that's just typical Adelaide stuff. Unfortunately for Scott Pye, not the greatest start to his um career at uh or his well not really his career but um his new at his new home at team 18 he had a lot of incidents happen um had to even rebuild the car on friday get it ready for saturday um so he could be able to compete but then yeah just not really anywhere but we hope that he does improve because that team has some good pace in it 
this year, as we've seen with Mark Winterbottom in the Irwin racing car, was a, in the top 10 on Saturday, but then just outside it on Sunday, finishing 11th. Um, dismal, dismal debut for Jack Smith, you got to say, even though it's not really his debut because he did a few wildcard races last year, uh, including at the Tail and Bend, at Tail and Bend when... Um, we went down there, got some photos of the car and everything, the SCT tools entry for Brad Jones Racing. But, you know, amongst getting involved in incidents, copping fines for not showing up for photos and for, for anthems and all that sort of stuff on the grid, I mean, that's not really what you want on your debut, is it? And then also copping some penalties as well across the weekend. So you'd hope that He's one to to ring his head in, of course, for the rest of the year because, you know, that's not going to cut it, unfortunately, in supercars. But um, not the greatest start for him. Already said, yeah, forward, unfortunately, didn't have the most pleasant debut weekends, but he's surely going to learn from it. Um, The best of the rookies easily was Zane Goddard in the um, second Matt Stone racing, the super light entry because um, he's going to be sharing the car with Jake Kostecki, who jump in for the Grand Prix, but Goddard, you know, just on it straight away, stayed out of trouble, didn't really hear much from him all weekend, you know, just putting in solid performances, so really looking forward to see how Kostecki does now, because, you know, those two perhaps are going to gonna have a cracking year, you know, if they continue to fly under the radar and um, not really cause trouble, but, you know, get some good positions and finishes on the way, as well to the end. Um, other bits of optimism, I think, you know, Kelly Racing, they did quite well, you know, they were in the top 10 for most of the weekend, of course, between Rick Kelly and Andre Heimgartner. It was a bit of a shame on Sunday to see Rick Kelly get involved in the pits again, like he did last year, probably not as bad as what happened with Chaz Mostert last year when he was in the in the Tickford Mustang, but yeah, you know, uh, had a bit of a clash with Macaulay Jones this time, so that kind of spoiled his race. Already said Team 18, you know, with Winterbottom, they look like they're going to have a better year this year. They're going to benefit from having a second car as well, um, and hopefully Scott Pye can also take the, uh, the number 20 car up as well, along with the 18. So that's about it for Adelaide, I think. You know, it was just really exciting seeing... Supercars back on the TV, uh, Super 2 as well, even though they've got a tiny grid this year, it's um, looking very competitive, you've got two Kostecki brothers of course, uh, Brody and Kurt, Brody looking very competitive, um, and also Thomas Randall too, you know, and it was kind of an emotional weekend for him because obviously we've heard that he's been diagnosed with testicular cancer and he's got a take some time to get some chemo done as well, but he came into the weekend and said, you know, he's going to be, uh, you know, trying to emulate Jason Richards, you know, the late Jason Richards, who, of course, lost his own um, battle with cancer a few years ago, and how he basically came out and was able to to win in that weekend on Adelaide for Super 2 and the development series. So we saw Randall on Sunday do that, in the um in the Sky Sands Nissan, so great job from him, and of course we're hoping that he is back for the second round of Super Two in Tassie. Um, in between, he's going to be taking on a round of chemo, so yeah, we'd hope that he's fit for the the second round, and all the best to him too. It's it's such huge, um, you know, it's it's devastating to hear, but also at the same time, you know, he's doing really well to to stay positive and still race as well, you know, do do what he loves, so 
that's that. Um, F1 testing now, the first week. And surprise, surprise, Mercedes were fastest overall, you know, um, throughout the week. Uh, they started the second test as well pretty quick, but we'll do that next week. But yeah, fastest overall. Um, and then they blew our minds with this new invention that they've come up with. And, you know, this is this is the great thing about Mercedes is that even though they've won six championships in a row and just basically blown their competition out of the water, they're not resting on their laurels. They're trying to find every advantage they can they're trying to innovate as much as they can and they blew our minds everyone was talking about DAS the dual axis steering so basically it was and we wouldn't have spotted this if this is kudos to F1 as well for actually telecasting testing you know for the first time unfortunately not here in Australia Grr, it's restricted to live timing that only works when it wants to as well but we wouldn't have spotted this or the other teams wouldn't have spotted this either because they wouldn't have had onboard shots if they didn't have broadcasters on site for testing. So basically what it is is that, you know, rather than being able to just turn just turn your steering wheel left and right, blah, 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 they can actually push the steering wheel forwards and pull it back. You know, so basically what where it all basically where everyone went crazy was that there was a lap that Hamilton came onto the the pit straight um, and basically pulled the steering wheel towards him which you know changed the uh, the toe of the front wheels um, into a certain degree that perhaps you know makes it less um, gives less wear on the tires like it's it's no one's I mean I'm still trying to get my head around how it all works because Mercedes obviously aren't going to explain to us what the actual purpose of this device or this innovation is um, you know they're probably saying das ist gut you know for us there you go I put the title of the the this episode in there you know why I said das ist gut now for the title das das okay that's that's enough <laughs> so yeah basically what the FIA have done now is um well they haven't done they did this last year when they published the 2021 rules because apparently they knew about this Mercedes device for a while now is that for next year they've outlawed it through one of their regulations where the steering wheel can only um turn on you know to you know either left or right can't go forwards and backwards so anyone else is not going to be able to do it this year a few of the teams have already said if they were to start developing now researching it it won't be ready until the middle of the season so what it actually what advantages does it actually give Mercedes it's unknown so even that you know do you want to really waste your time trying to do that Maybe if you're Force India, because you're... Oh, sorry, not Force India. <laughs> Racing Point. It's been a whole year now, and I still call them Force India. Wow. Because Racing Point, they caught everyone's attention for basically rocking up to testing in a pink Mercedes. You know, I, I first saw it was just the front wing looked, um, and the nose looked exactly like the Mercedes one. But apparently there are other elements on the car externally that match the Mercedes. So they've really been they were really quick you know they were really consistent uh, but it really started a war of words between rival teams and in particular Haas who are like oh you know that's not on but then again they were giving feedback to Haas saying well you basically run a b-spec Ferrari so what are you talking about 
Um, just basically, it's all started already between the midfield teams, but yeah, Racing Point looking really quick already. Um, but going back to Mercedes, they had they have the most laps of anyone so far. They looked the most bulletproof, fastest as well. Of course, you know they unlike last year in testing where they didn't actually take on the C5 compound tire, which is the softest compound that they're allowed to run in testing until the final day they've already started doing soft tire runs and everything so you know they're just looking really really strong at the moment um and it was only Kimi Raikkonen's lap in the Alfa Romeo on day two that was uh the only time Mercedes wasn't fastest but that fastest lap is still 1.3 seconds slower than what Bottas set on the final day his fastest lap so it just goes to show you how far ahead Mercedes are but is that really the case if they're that far ahead Ferrari they've come out and said that they believe they're on the back foot everyone looks says looks and says that they're on the back foot and that was in Matteo Bonotto's own, own words that they're on the back foot you know they've got a radical new car the SF1000 but they haven't really shown any signs of pace yet you know even on the long runs and everything it just doesn't look like you know something doesn't seem too right it's not like Red Bull who you kind of know or can feel that they're flying under the radar you know they've been able to put in the second most laps behind Mercedes but haven't really shown any pace yet so you know getting all those laps under their belt does show that the Honda power unit this year is really reliable same thing can be said about Alpha Tauri not Tory as I've been saying um, up until the start of this year it's at Tauri <laughs> oh well we I still don't know how we're going to get around Alpha and Alpha you know Alpha Romeo and Alpha Tauri you know because it's it's a bit of a mouthful it's like Raikkonen in the Alpha Romeo you'd rather say Raikkonen in the Alpha rather than and then also Gasly or Fiat in the Alpha Tauris I want to say Alpha it's easier to say the shorter thing than it is to to go the long way I mean I can't just call them call it a Toro Rosso now can I and also as far as the Alphas concerned I can't call it a Sauber we might as well then call Racing Point the Force India even though it's not Force India anymore anyway before we get too out of hand um yeah Red Bull Honda they're looking really solid just need to see some pace from them but at the same time they don't have to show it yeah you know they feel like they've had a more positive start to the preseason than they've had in previous years and that's going to be really important because Red Bull have typically rolled out in the first few rounds of the new seasons on the back foot and they usually can't string together a whole season so if they are going to mount a championship challenge this year which you know everyone has indicated yet that yes they've got to this year and Verstappen is going to be a key um, operator in that they've got to get to Australia the first race and be on it straight away so Whereas Ferrari, uh, Ferrari are just going to be Ferrari, hey? Who knows? They might come to Melbourne and basically blow the competition out of the water. That's that's testing for you. It's just all it's all dust, mothballs, sandbags. It's it's nothing to be too excited about, unless you're in the midfield, because it's good to see when other teams that have struggled have made progress. So McLaren, you got to say one of the best starts to a preseason that they've had since the pre-hybrid era. Um, I do believe this year is going to be hard work for them to to keep P4 in the World Championship, um, unless they do have a leg up on the competition, because Racing Point are looking really quick in their pink Mercedes. 
Renault have got to have a really good year too. You've got to say, I've been saying it all along, end of last year and also start of this year. They've got a radical car on their hands, a new nose and front wing concept. And they've just been really inconsistent so far, even in testing. So it wasn't until the final day that they showed some pace. But I'm not too convinced yet that where they are. But still, McLaren, Racing Point... Alpha Tauri as well, looking really good. A more positive start for Williams too, you got to say. They have come to Barcelona this year and actually have been able to run their car. Or actually, they've actually turned up to the test with a car and been able to turn over quite a few laps too. So that's been exciting for both George Russell and Nicholas Latifi. Should see those guys in the points a bit more frequently. The only team to be worried about at the moment so far after the first test, I reckon, is Haas. So they're the only team that actually crashed in the first test, and they crashed twice. One for Roman Grosjean and one for Kevin Magnussen. And I can't wait to see next year's Netflix series uh, for Drive to Survive and see Gunter Steiner's reaction to that, because I'm sure it wasn't a pretty one. The trailer for Season 2, which obviously I think this week, I'm hoping it's tomorrow, Friday the 28th that it's going to come out and already getting a bit of Gunter action in the trailer so about kicking down kicking down a door or something so that guy just seems so intense and hardcore we love it good drama so really looking forward to that if if it is out tomorrow then that's all I'm going to do this weekend is just lock the doors I'm not going to roll down the blinds I need some sunlight obviously but yeah lock the doors sit there with some you know fine beverages or whatever um probably not fine you know just just a good beer or something um and watch drive to survive because yeah the first season was fascinating and really good and as i said they already had the netflix cameras out already had them out for testing so looks like they're going to be doing a third season as well based on the 2020 championship so yeah, basically conclusions, I guess, to take away from the first test as, you know, the the seasoned F1 viewer, consumer, analyzer, whatever, um, will tell you that testing is not meant to really give you anything conclusive and it'll all change before the first race or when we get to the first practice session in Melbourne. But just a couple of things to take away. Mercedes look really quick again. They look consistent. Ferrari perhaps need to show their hand. Same with Red Bull as well, but Red Bull look like they're in a better space than Ferrari at the moment. I think we're going to have a more competitive midfield. It's going to be harder work for P4, but, you know, McLaren have been really strong so far, even though they haven't shown, um, really turned up the wick yet, but they've been consistent. Same with Racing Point, but even though they've been quick, positive start for Williams, not so positive for Haas, and a bit of work to do for Renault as well. So um, it'll be interesting to see how the next two days progress as well, of course, the last two days that they have available for testing. So... Yeah, and then after that, it's all eyes on Melbourne. First race in a couple of weeks' time and um, start of this 2020 championship. And quickly as well, we had news as well of Fernando Alonso rejoining McLaren for the Indy 500, of course. So wasn't able to, as in his own words, go explore other options or whatever because basically he wanted to race for Andretti. They're a top team, but then um, that decision was torpedoed by Honda because Honda is still not happy with 
having their engines described as GP2 spec by Mr. Alonso back in 2000, was it 15 or 16? One of those years, 17, where it was a torrid year for, for him, McLaren, and for Honda. So, yeah, obviously joining McLaren, the um, Arrows SP McLaren team, um, formerly Schmidt-Peterson Motorsport, um, and a lot more resources at their disposal this time to potentially give him a car that could be competitive at Indy 5, at the Indy 500. Will he do some other races too? Well, you'd hope so, just to get some preparation. Be nice to see him do the um, Grand Prix of Indianapolis as well, which we know Scott McLaughlin will be doing for Team Penske. I can't wait for that. And it's a bit disappointing, actually, that we don't have any um, IndyCar broadcast there's no IndyCar broadcast here in Australia at the moment, so hopefully that's something that can change before the season starts, because I'd really love to watch um, IndyCar this year full-time, probably not, you know, watching them live as much as I can, but, um, you know, on replay like I have been doing with Formula E, so, oh, and we've got the Marrakesh E-Pre on this weekend, which I'm excited to see as well, and just thinking about it too before, um, it looks... Like, I haven't really been able to follow the other seasons quite closely as I have so far this one, but it looks like Jean-Eric Verne has got his uh, work cut out for him, you got to say, with um, Antonio Felix da Costa there, and I don't think da Costa's going to show any quarter, so this might be an intense rivalry forming at the, the championship-winning team, so... I want to see that. I want to see sparks flying. I want to see a repeat of Rosberg v Hamilton and then even a Senna v Prost style rivalry um, between teammates, especially um, there in Formula E. I think it's going to cause a bit of drama. So looking forward to that. Right, so I didn't want to finish this week's podcast without addressing the elephant in the room. There's no elephant in my room, luckily, but um, there is a big Thing that I did bring up last week, um, what's going on in the world at the moment, and that is the coronavirus. So, impact obviously being felt worldwide now. There's been over 2,700 deaths reported, um, and several thousand cases of the actual virus confirmed. Um, I'm just going to talk about it as far as how it's going to impact F1 and how it is impacting F1 at the moment. So. We have had word that obviously the Chinese Grand Prix has been cancelled, looking or postponed, I should say, because they are looking to reschedule at another date, even though I don't think it's possible. Um, the FIA are monitoring what's going on in Vietnam at the moment too, and we had some pictures, obviously, of the the track being completed, which is really positive, and they're hoping that we will get to have a race in Vietnam, but possibly Bahrain now. So the latest breakouts of the the virus have occurred in pockets in the Middle East, so Iran and Bahrain. There's actually flights out of Bahrain Air to Dubai suspended for a period of 48 hours as well. And then the more concerning part, I think, is the sudden breakout in Italy, where there's actually been quite a few cases reported in Italy and already the first thing you think about is how is it going to affect the two teams that operate out of Italy. Obviously, Ferrari and Alfa Tauri. Um, Ferrari have already put out a statement saying that um, they're restricting 
uh, factory access in this time that this uh, the virus is at large. Uh, the, there's a crew, obviously, that have flown on private charter to the second test and everything, but all the other f- personnel back at the factory is has anyone been affected and etc there's a whole lot to think about you know when it comes to this sort of thing and even personally you know my own travel plans for this year potentially have been put on the back burner because of what's going on if this doesn't improve if the situation gets worse then it's not going to be possible to be able to to travel to not only one location but to several um, around the year so around the world throughout the year As far as the Australian Grand Prix is concerned, uh, so far it's been declared safe by Victorian health officials, but, you know, it is the concern of people travelling over for the race, you know, from abroad, you know, and of course teams and crews, television and media and stuff that actually have to come from overseas to here, will that make some kind, have some kind of impact? German TV crews have kind of boycotted Vietnam, you know, they don't want to, to travel there, so they're going to utilise a crew that's already on, on site to for that weekend for their broadcast. So, I guess my question, and it's fair to ask at this point, is this, could this possibly derail the championship, you know? Imagine if we do get to a situation where, and I know I'm being a bit of a doom doomsayer here but imagine if we do get to a situation where Bahrain has to be cancelled and Vietnam so you've instantly lost three races in the first four races of your championship um, and how's that going to play on the championship itself so this is something that yeah you know we've all got to take a bit seriously especially with the with the F1 circus and it's going to be something that we're going to be following quite closely. I know I'm following quite closely. I've got a few links open already about, you know, the latest news. And, of course, I'm following the European Centre for Disease Prevention and Control, um, having a look at what's happening in Europe, of course, with what's going, what's happened in Italy and if it's going to spread to other parts of the continent as well. So, yeah, I know I'm ending it on a bit of a... A somber note but also yeah it's it's the state of affairs at the moment and um, hopefully there can be some kind of containment and it doesn't really um, affect too much what's uh, what's going to be a good year for the sport for Formula One and of course anyone else who is looking at uh, traveling abroad and whatnot you know and if it's affecting people's works and their livelihood um, obviously it's it's terrible this thing, you know, the people who have lost their lives, uh, the people who are sick with it as well, it's just, um, it's just awful, so, yeah, I, I, you know, hard to, hard to see what, um, what the future holds, so, that's pretty much it anyway, um, thanks for, for tuning in as always, remember, I'll include links to all my social media platforms in the description and the show notes, but you can follow us on twitter at hit the apex media and of course i did put out my instagram last week as well um, at dr 46th as well if you'd like to keep up with some of my photography work which i haven't really done much of since coming back from bathurst but um, i'm sure there's going to be some good stuff coming up throughout the year so thank you for tuning in again this week i'll be back same time next week for uh, doing a full wrap-up of testing and looking ahead to the 
uh, season ahead. So thank you and uh, see you next time.